This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. At StarsFan1994 says, the Vegas Golden Knights gave me PTSD as they tied it late in the third to win an OT. I mean, wonderful. Tip by Carlson, especially how far out he was. That was Pavelski-like. Um, mm-hmm. Both goals, I just don't. I mean, I don't think Ottinger saw the first one. I mean, we could barely see it from, you know, different camera angles. And then the second one, a wonderful tip. Uh, looking forward to a cathartic recap on Spits and Suds. A lot more hockey to play, but that game reopened some scars way too early. Big thanks to you and Sean for bringing the hockey talk on the regular. I would say... To you, my friend, Stars fan, 1994, I understand it reopened some scars. I think it actually closed some scars for me because last night I saw the Stars go toe-to-toe with what the Vegas Knights are going to be. Granted, some injuries on their blue line, but, you know, they went into Vegas and I think they did a lot of good things. So, well, I can understand that it was an OT loss, like we talked about earlier, Sean. I, I I think you should be in good shape, absolutely. Yeah, and the thing about the two Vegas goals, um, let, let's talk about this with those two Vegas goals. Um, they're both, that is how Vegas wins games. Vegas is a big, Vegas wins games differently than the Stars. Vegas is a big um, pressure Pucks back to the point, funnel through for tips. The Stars do have a lot of tips, obviously, too, but the Stars are more built on building off the rush and, and, and everything like that. So um, Vegas is goals are how Vegas wins games. That's who they are. I don't if, uh, if, if you want to get a little nitpick a little bit, I don't like that no one picked up Carlson cutting through the zone. That's one of those where I'd like to see um, a defender step into step up on him in that. And, uh, but Vegas is a good hockey team too. And stars went toe to toe and they scored and found ways to score in ways that aren't on the rush. And I think that's an important part of Dallas because, um, there was a, uh, when this, when this, one of the questions this, I think we've had about the stars in the past is when the rush offense isn't working, how are they going to score? And they did it last night. They found a way with Craig Smith, gritty goal. They got it done. They found a way with off the faceoff. Um, if there's if there's any of those goals that gave me concern, it's not even the first. It's not even the the game tying goal. I, that that one doesn't bother me as much. That's just a good play by a good player and everything like that. Um, if anything, and I and I mentioned him, and I'm not trying to drag him under the bus throughout this podcast, but I I don't really get what Essel and Dell was doing on the first goal against yeah. um i'm not like like that that one like if there's if you want to be if you want to get cause for a concern and and from this game a lot of positives but then someone's going to be sitting down on tape with essel and dell before they play in anaheim on thursday because he had a rough night now was it just uh is it Essa a slow starter and he's got his uh it's only second game after having 
five days off. It was tough to get a game rhythm. Who knows? But I, I, I have more worry about Esselin Dell than anything else in this game. Um, the other thing we should bring up too from this game that I, I think was a very, I wrote about this. It's kind of, it was kind of fitting because I wrote about this in a macro scale the other day about how, about faceoffs and yeah. credit to uh, David Castillo who first brought it up and sent me down the wormhole of David Castillo had a piece about how, whether faceoffs matter or not. And uh, I went a little bit further down I, and he sent me down my own wormhole of looking at the, <laughs> Of, of 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 whether these things things matter and, and the faceoffs are are typical are basically they're basically coin flips most of the time for most NHL teams they're coin flips and that's why when you talk about whether faceoffs matter or not that's why sometimes they get pulled down a little little bit by the analytics community because they're like you can't really these are just coin flips you're going to win 50% of the time no matter what and i don't think that's entirely true um the Stars, for example, are a very good face-off team. The Stars also care very much about face-offs. The Stars, as a team who struggle to create zone time and really protect pucks down low, they need to be good at face-offs to kind of add that extra zone time. And um, a team on the flip side, like the Colorado Avalanche, who are one of the worst face-off teams in the league, and I know there's people who point into the Avalanche winning a Stanley Cup with bad face-offs being like, see, you don't need face-offs to but the Avalanche don't really care much about faceoffs. The Avalanche have been a very good puck protection team down low, good on the rush. They they made up in other areas where so the Stars in close games like the one they played against Vegas last night going into that coin flip with effectively a weighted coin in your favor, like if you're going in 55, 56% of the time as opposed to 50-50, that's where you get the goals. That's where you get the goals in the close games. And um, I thought it was a really good example last night of how over the course of an 82-game season, being 2 or 3% better on faceoffs or whatever may not feel like a lot. But when you look at the narrative of a season, when you look at how things play out and how things build, without being that 2 to 3% better on faceoffs last night, you don't get the point in Vegas. You you lose in regulation to Vegas. And all of a sudden, it becomes a little bit more of a, oh, man, we're not there. We're same old, same old from last season. Like The Stars right now are coming out of Vegas. Basically, all right, we played our game. We did, we, did, we, we did well in this tough situation. And we lost the shootout at the end. And that's it. There's no negative feelings. And a lot of that goes back to being better on faceoffs. I hope this all made sense, Gavin, and I will take it back to you to get me on track again. <laughs> no, it did. It, no, it did. I love those deep dives. That's why we're doing a podcast, the Sean Shapiro Deep Dives, um, because I, I, I agree. I, I think face-offs matter. I think it's all about puck possession, and, uh, uh, you know, especially in your defensive zone, they're massive. I mean, that five-on-three last night, you know, having Fox out there drawing some, you know, face-offs, and uh, that first one, he pulled it back uh, up against the boards. I thought that was impressive. Uh, Aaron Thacker at Thackman 05. I know it's early, but when do you think we will start seeing the scoring this team has talked about? Also, when we when will we see a regulation win? Well, I mean, I think we'll <laughs> we might see it against Anaheim. We might see it against Philadelphia. <laughs> but it's only it's only it's only two games. As far as the scoring, I mean, I don't think that's a a, a problem right now. I mean, I think you faced uh, two teams that are pretty defensive-minded. Let's see what happens against Anaheim. Uh, if John Gibson plays, 
Um, he can steal games at times, and he can be really, really good. We've talked about that on this podcast. He's on a not good team, but he is a good goalie. Um, but at the same time, Sean, I, I I don't have a problem. I wouldn't be surprised if they threw up four or five against Anaheim. Based, you know, I mean, those Anaheim games, you know, with with their offensive, you know, players that they have, sometimes those games out there get wide open. Well, it's let's like let's. Uh... I'm going to get, I, I was just kind of crapping on analytics, not crapping on it, but I was kind of going at analytics a little bit before about how sometimes I think the face-offs get, uh, get beaten up a little bit too much, but let's go into the numbers on something real quick here. So you've got using a metric that I actually think is a pretty good reflection, of how you play hockey's too random for, um, Hockey is too random to completely use it as a end-all be-all. It's why baseball is a easier to break down sport analytically than, than hockey in general. But through two games, and I'm using my numbers from natural stat trick here. And so uh, for a quick note for everyone here, um, expected goals for, if you, you may see that stat, and I think it's actually a pretty good stat that shows how teams play. It's basically a measure of, shot location um shot location and quality of uh and, and based off goal and, and, and shot location and quality and getting to the right areas that's really what it's based on um the stars in that opening night against the blues where they won in the shootout at even strength they had 2.64 expected goals for um in 2.20 2.02 expected against Last night against Vegas, the Stars had 2.23 expected goals for and 1.57 goals expected goals against. Dallas outplayed Vegas last night. Like when it came down to at even strength. Now Vegas had some Vegas got them on the on, on special teams a little bit there, but at even strength, Dallas was the better team. They created more chances. Um I've got they had 12 they had by looking the 12 high danger chances for only let up six. Like this is the offense is to me, it's not a question of where is the offense. It's a question of finishing. Mm-hmm. And I know that was a really long winded way of saying kind of give it a little bit. The shooting percentage is going to even out and it may even out in a big way. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if play continues when you when you go see a bad when they play a bad team two bad teams this week there could be a lot going the other way so yeah and once again what i mentioned at the top of this podcast is that i liked how they were getting in tight and they weren't just shooting from the corners and settling uh, for that easier shot they put some pressure on hill uh they got in front of him um you know and that's how smith got that first goal cleaning up off a rebound uh, when there was a, you know, kind of a hectic uh, few players in front of the net. So uh, I, I like that they're doing that. And I think that will also increase their scoring chances. Uh, Fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom had a couple of follow-ups. Uh, when I was talking about Niels Lundquist, he said he's definitely improved, but his smaller stature is still an issue when going up against bigger players in the league. Notice the Blues game. He was uh, able to put a body on somebody, but when the big boys actually wanted to move Nils, they had no problem throwing him. I mean, that's going to happen with a lot of players. Um, but I, I will say that 
this offseason training that he went through, he does seem stronger, confident. I, I, I just absolutely love that the Stars put no hesitation in the fact, and Jim Nill was even saying this last year, that Nils Lundqvist is going to be a big part of our team. And, I mean, we've seen it over the years with Brendan Dillons and Julius Honkas, and it's tough to keep coming on and off. And it, that's a that's a tough role, and you're also afraid to make a mistake. And what I'm seeing from Nils Lundqvist is he's not afraid at this point. He's, in fact, the opposite. He's very confident. I wouldn't be surprised in the next few games if we don't see him on a uh, uh, get a power play goal because, you know, he, he was in that shooting lane last night, and I was ready for that puck to go to him. They tried to get to him. I mean, here's the other thing, too, about Nils. Here's the other thing Nils Lund, about Nils Lundqvist. He's, I think, going into this season, he is now, he, I think he's, like, listed at 6'1", 190. Um, I don't really believe he's actually 6'1". I think he's actually, like, he's been he's been listed at 5'11 in the past, so I, I don't think he's actually 6'1". Um and like Miro Heiskanen is listed at six two one ninety seven. I don't think Miro is six foot two, but <laughs> Miro, Miro is un Miro is undoubtedly. This is actually funny. We're going on a segue here right now. Joel Hanley is listed at five eleven. Joel Hanley is not five eleven. Joel Hanley and I have spoken to each other face to face, nose to nose. I am not five eleven. Joel Hanley is not five eleven. Um, everyone in the NHL seemed to get taller this summer. Um, uh, actually, Victor Hedman is now listed at six foot seven. He had always been six foot six, but for some reason, he's now six foot seven. So everyone in the NHL just grew an inch this summer. I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but my point was on Nils Lundqvist. Uh, I think people focus on his size because he's arguably under six feet tall, no matter what the game sheet may say. And he, but he has a pretty well-built frame and strength on his frame for his size. Like, yeah, 190. So I think people look at his height and get a little bit more worried about that um, when I think there is, he, he has got a strong frame. He's a stronger player this year. Um, I feel really good about it. Yeah, Yanni Hockenpah's listed at six seven now too. Okay, Gavin, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so what are they? So when when Liam Bixel comes up, he's going to be seven two. <laughs> Yanni Hockenpah's listed at six seven now. Mason Marchman is listed at six five now. No like, way. Yeah, no, Mason Marchman is not six foot five. <laughs> There's that. If I do the uh... hey, do what you have to do, right? Yeah, this is because uh, we all know that the opposing team is going through the programs. Yeah, and Bixel is listed at six six right now. Now I imagine when he gets called up, they'll add an extra inch to his height. Of course, this is this is hilarious to me looking at this because hey. like everyone seems to have gotten taller. Um, you everyone. know what, Sean? <laughs> Technically, I'm five nine, but on the dating apps, I'm five ten. There you go. <laughs> It translates oh into God. real life too, my man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, at Spaniel Green asks, seem like zone exits needed a solid cleanup still. I'm still liking the improvements made by Nils and Harley. Both seem to play well. Trying to figure out if there was something Miro could have done or the team in general on that second goal deflection. Uh, you had mentioned that you would have liked to seen Lindell get uh, further out to kind of. Uh, on the first goal. On the first goal. First the goal, second sorry. goal was yeah. the second. 
he's, he's talking about the second goal. That was Miro was in front of the net on that one. And that's one where it's kind of, um, it's a quick bang, bang play there. But uh, it's one of those where all things being like perfect when you could stop time and move guys around, you would have liked to see uh, Miro front, uh, kind of front and get to Carlson a little bit more. Yeah. But it's also a, it's a bang, bang play too. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I also wanted to add, you know, because we are obviously impressed here in Dallas and we talk about, you know, Miro Heishkin with national attention and this guy does get some national attention, but I got to tell you, I'm so impressed with Shea Theodore. I mean, he's just a quality defenseman and he just loves getting in on the rush. So I, you know, I was impressed with his play last night as well. So I mean, there were a lot well, of good players also, on the ice. Yeah, and there's something to be said too about a defenseman shooting second for your for your team in the shootout. Yes, there's something to be said about that. Yes, so. which leads to Daniel Griffith uh, at DTG Tax. Should Miro be one of the first three shooters in the shootout? That's what he asks, and I would say I like the three shooters that we had last night. Um, I, yeah. I, you got to go with Robertson. Duchesne's money you know, in, in the shootout and a lot of experience um, doing it. And then Rupe Hintz. I like the three that uh, that they threw out there last night. I actually was surprised Hintz went because, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, I, one of the things that um, the, it's basically happened since, Pete DeBoer took over. Um, but like Tyler Sagan has been um and, and maybe it's because he's Tyler Sagan hasn't gotten the opportunity to be that ace in the hole in shootouts like he was before the injury. Um over the last two years, like I know he he took one and missed one on opening night, so maybe that was maybe maybe that was the last straw, and that's why he didn't take one the other night there, but like from between, uh, I don't know, but like between for there's a 10 year stretch for Tyler Sagan where for his career he went shot 60 percent, 33 percent to six, 57 percent, 60 percent, 50 percent, 75 percent, 40 percent on shootouts. And I, with him and Matt Duchesne, I just I feel like that's a provide in the shootout where you should still be using that um i don't mind rube hints shooting obviously i think it's but it, it, it is it is something with i look at one of sagan's strengths that he still has is on the shootout and the way he is not completely predictable on it and so yeah no but I, to, but, to, but to i agree point, Sag- sagan would be going yeah, yeah. To me, it's not a question of whether Miro should be in the first three shooters. I'm not even getting to Miro. I'm talking about, I'm I'm, I'm talking about other guys before Miro Hishkin. I don't think, um, because shootouts aren't breakaways. That's the other thing. Like you have to, people have to, um, as 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 we've seen in Washington with the with the Kuznetsov complete slowdown. That is, that's not a hockey play. Yeah, the shootout's not the shootout's not a hockey play, and while. I don't mind a mirror on a breakaway. I'm not really, I don't really need his, his skill set isn't the one that translates to, um, to a shootout. Like I'm, I'm going to double check myself on this right here because it's, um, 
I'd like to do that on this show and prove myself wrong as opposed to having you, the listener in the car, yell at me about my, uh, but like Miro Heiskanen is one for one for five in his career on shootouts scored once during the 21, 22 season. And that's it. Like I don't really, and he's also, so anywho. Yeah. Uh, K twiz. I love the stars aggression tonight. Do you think Dallas can keep up the physicality this season and add it to their game? That's my spits and suds question. Uh, K twiz. You're a great tweeter during stars games. Appreciate you being a turn it on, leave it on listener as well. Um, I don't know if it'll keep it up, but uh, I am. I, I think both of us will always check the box that says physicality can certainly uh, because what it does is it creates opportunities as long as you do it smartly. You know, if you work in the corners and you're physical, you know, you can create some turnovers. If you press their D men, you're going to create some turnovers. And you know, likewise in, in in your defensive end, you know, you can tie up your man. So sure. I think physicality is a great part of the game. And, uh, you know, I think they're better when they're physical. I think uh, uh, Sevy pointed it out um, last night on the TV broadcast that um, he likes them when they're more physical. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think they will be a more physical team in general this year. Um, as much as it's also, I'm interested to see their physicality in the game when, they haven't had five days to ramp up. That's that's when physicality really gets tested. It's not it's when the schedule's not easy that uh, that's that's when that's when life gets tested. So yeah, absolutely. And then the final tweet uh, at Sport McGee one. So I had tweeted out after the game, Sean. I said that was fun. Appreciate all you, all of your interactions. Team looked good. Fresh spits and suds. Vegas recap will drop tomorrow if you have any follow-up questions. And he said, disagree that the team looks good. They've had decent 10-minute spurts, but that Vegas team is missing three of their top six defensemen, and that was pretty evenly matched, pretty disappointing effort, honestly. And, Greg, I hope you're listening now, and hopefully you support spits and suds. Um, And all I can say is we just watched two different games. And I I know Vegas was down, but, I mean, I still think if you – first of all, going in – Maybe against Anaheim, you could say a disappointing point. But points on the road are still precious commodities. And I think that's sometimes forgotten. And going into the defending Stanley Cup which champions, which, by the way, were undefeated and had a lot of momentum and are one of the Stanley Cup favorites to go in there, I thought they matched up with them pretty well, and they lost in a skills competition at the end. But, you know, I, I thought it was a good game overall. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you, Gavin. I don't like, I, I, I have a hard time finding fault in, in that game, and every fault immediately ties into. There were times it looked like a team playing its first game in five days in the second game of the season, and I think that's fair. That that happens. That's okay. You had two, unlike the St. Louis game where it was a bit sloppy with two teams playing their first game. You had one team playing its first game second game of the season another team that's been in a rhythm the other thing that i think will be interesting to watch and as far as the stars building in general and this is just kind of my own takeaway and view on things is um i don't think you got the best version of rope hints last night but i also don't 
put that on, but I expect, but you got the version of Rope Hints I expected last night. Rope Hints has a tendency, just as a player, he has a tendency when he comes back from injury to kind of go all hero ball, where he tries to basically be the guy and acts by himself a little bit. And then it takes about three to four or five periods maybe to get back into a rhythm with his line. Well, because of how he was knocked up during the se- during the preseason didn't play an opening night, that Pavelski Robertson Hintz line didn't play together at all preseason. So this is really kind of the first time they played together all yep. season. So I don't really, that's what I expected. So um, I have no concern, like nothing gets solved one way or the other in game two of the season, but I don't have any new concerns or anything like that. Um, I may, if Vesselindell's current state of affairs continues to play that way, but other than that, like, I don't really, I don't look at this game and be like, oh, I got to get worried about this. No, I look at that and like, no, I, I still feel good about predicting a Dallas-Vegas Western Conference final again. Yeah. Now, Jordan Harper did ask about number five. And Jordan, I just wanted to give you a shout out. You're a loyal Spits and Suds guy. But as you've listened, you could tell that we've talked a lot about Nils Lundqvist and uh, we're both very happy. So, Sean, two two games ahead against two opponents that are kind of in the rebuilding stage, so hopefully we can collect some uh, points. I did want to ask you, it's never too early, folks, with the holiday coming to support Sean <laughs> and his family. So, um, by the book, We Win Here, which is a collection of stories from the Texas Stars franchise and the Dallas Stars. And by the way, it's so great how many people are retweeting every Logan Stankoven goal. Every every time he does something in Texas, people are uh, people are going crazy. Time will yeah. come. Time will come. But you know those kinds of stories, as far as you know, Texas story and the history of Texas and some of the players that are currently with the Stars or have played with the Stars and played with the Texas. Uh, it's just a it's just a cool book. And uh, how I wanted to ask you, how did you come up with the concept? of you and your partner writing this book because it is unique because a lot of people just focus on, you know, one club and that would be the Dallas stars. And you've done that in a previous book talking about the Dallas stars history and everything you should know. And that's a great book as well. But I I definitely found what was interesting in this book is the relationship between Dallas and Texas and the various stories in between. Yeah, I mean, so it's the book itself, and I appreciate the chance to plug it as always. Um, but the book itself was kind of one of those things that started with Stephen Meserve and I have always had these conversations about, about stars in Texas. And um, Stephen, who runs 100 Degree Hockey, is uh, still to this day. Um, Texas, actually, right now, it's funny, as we're recording this, Texas is playing a school day game against the Chicago Wolves right now. And text and Steven and I have been te- and Steven's been texting me about the, about that game. So he and I always are going back and forth and, and talking about the star about, about the Texas stars and how it applies to things. And so we just kind of took conversations over beers, conversations in general, and just like, Hey, let's, let's sit down and write something. And that's kind of how it all came together. And um, I'm a big believer in I'm personally a big believer that the AHL often gets kind of forgotten in media coverage. And this is not to, this is not to single out anyone else's media coverage or anyone, but I just, I felt like my coverage of the sport and my coverage of the league are better 
when I understand the entire dichotomy, the entire landscape. And that's vital to understand the AHL. Um, I'm actually going to go this this weekend. Like, here's a perfect example, Gavin, of how my my silly brain works. Um, um, for EP Ringside, I'm going on Saturday. I'm going to Chicago on Saturday for the the Blackhawks home opener to kind of witness the Connor Bedard circus in person, right? Uh, but on Sunday, another circus, um, and the Texas Stars are part of it. The uh, Chicago Wolves are an AHL team this year without an NHL affiliate playing in Chicago. It was two o'clock game on Sunday. And um, I basically have decided I'm going to that game as well, because nice. to order to understand, better understand this professional hockey world, we have to understand all of it. And not just when guys show up from the call up or whatever. And I think that's a, yep. a key thing to better covering this sport, better understanding where guys come from. Um, and we, we should at some point, I, I want to give him time, Gavin. Like I know people keep retweeting the Logan Stankoven and goals, but I want to give him some time before at some point we should do a complete profile on Logan Stankoven's AHL game. Right now there hasn't been enough. The goals pop and they're fun and they're easy to, to celebrate, but I'd also like to be able to go through and maybe after a month in the AHL, give an idea of the entire picture of what like Logan Stakehoven is doing or isn't doing. Um, and not just, uh, not just the goals. Cause there is so much more to the development process than putting the puck in the net. Obviously yeah. that will take him very far, Yep. but there's other things as well. Yep. So absolutely. And on that note, because we are kind of an all encompassing, uh, hockey show. Um, I will, I've been invited and, uh, Gladly will do it. Uh, the Allen Americans open their season this weekend at Idaho, but I'll be going to a game and talking to some of their players and kind of giving you my thoughts on, you know, players from an ECHL perspective, um, which would be considered, I guess, double A. And most of your high prospects are now going to AHL. So I wanted to talk to the players about the fight from the ECHL, um, you know, as far as the perspective. Uh, because a lot of guys are trying to hang on or they're trying to take that next step. So it's kind of fascinating. And uh, salute to the Allen Americans uh, as they start their season uh, this Friday. Uh, in New, new owner new owner there, too, uh, Miles Jack, for those uh, football fans. The former uh, – where did he play? The former the former linebacker actually owns the Allen Americans now, didn't he? He just bought that team. That, came, that was announced like a week ago or something. Yeah, like Miles Jack uh, Jacksonville, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So. No. Absolutely. In fact, the Americans uh, signed, uh, let's see, uh, if I'm pronouncing this wrong, I probably, Matt Marcineau? Not sure. I'm the, I can't correct you. Or Played I for Belleville Senators. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 of the AHL. So it's it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, we want to support local hockey, and I always try to plug uh, Craig's team as it's amazing. He has like four or five games in Anaheim this weekend. So we're going to be catching him early in the morning on Friday um, as uh, his team is uh, in a tournament this weekend. And Craig does a great job coaching. And, uh, you know, I love getting his perspective as far as his team and getting them ready to hopefully be drafted or play in the NHL or you know, get drafted into uh, juniors up in Canada or the USHL. So, it you know, it's it's kind of fascinating. I mean, we do focus on the stars, but I can't wait to hear your Chicago story and, 
and you know the kind of in depth what you can bring is because that is fascinating. A team without an affiliate, how a they can survive, and you know b what kind of free agents have they had to brought in financially? Where does that put them in? You know, it's just it's really interesting that basically they're kind of an independent squad, right? Yeah. It's definitely one of the more interesting stories in the hockey world right now that's not no one is talking about, but it's one of those where it's not in the day-to-day conversations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd also ask you guys, the listeners of Spits and Suds, you know, keep coming with the questions. They're awesome. But if you'd like to hear us talk about some things, just reach out to me. I'm at GJ Spittle. He's at Sean Shapiro on Twitter. And you can also email me, gavin.spittle at odyssey.com. And uh, I have nothing to plug, but if you see me at the dog park with my dog, just say hi. How's that? that I guess I could good. say I, I guess I could say Sean, <laughs> listen to the radio station one oh five three the fan, as we are in Rangers Madness right now. <laughs> it's uh it's pretty awesome. Go Rangers. This is uh really, really cool. The town's kind of uh a buzz right now. So super, super excited about the uh Rangers and excited about the stars start. So that's gonna do it for Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle. He's Sean Shapiro. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We'll be back soon with another episode of Spits and Suds.